Welcome back, everybody. In this episode, we have the conclusion, part two of the interview with Jules McKenzie. Are you prepared to finish the race? Enjoy. Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Russell Westcott here. So sure hope you enjoyed part one of this interview with Jules McKenzie. We went deep into many different things about Jules' upbringing. So if you haven't heard the first one now, the second part is 100%. It's not, you don't have to hear the first part in order to get tremendous amount of value from the second part, but I would strongly encourage you to make sure you go back and check out that first episode because a lot of the information we talk about, a lot of um, the topics and themes that we discuss in this conversation about in the second part of this interview go back to the first one. So a lot of the lessons that Jules had from his upbringing are pivotal in how he handles his future endeavors. So guys, as you know, this one, we go deep. We're going to go deep into the more of the real estate side of things. We're going to go deep into a lot of Jules' story about how he bought his first place. Uh, you know, the inspiration moment of how he became a real estate investor on this journey. And also, uh, we really dive into a lot of the, you know, for lack of a better term, the dilly of a pickles that Jules gets into on this journey uh, within real estate. And you know what? And that's one of the reasons why I love this. I love having these conversations with real people is that we're going to share these stories. You know, in, in a world full of social media where everybody is on their, you know, shirts off and flexing and, and you know, cars and automobiles and airplanes and rented Lambos and all that kind of stuff, I, I, I prefer to go the opposite direction. Um, I prefer to share the struggle. I prefer to share the challenge. I prefer to share some heartache. I prefer to share some lessons because sometimes in the challenges, sometimes in the struggle is where you will actually grow the most and you will learn uh, the most about yourself in the process. So in this episode, Jules and I go really deep into his story of, as a real estate investor. Um, some of the missteps he made, and there's a, a pretty big one. And there's actually something in this, there's a really big story in here. Uh, one of the biggest fears people have is losing money and potentially, quote unquote, losing it all. Okay. That's one of the biggest fears people have. And Jules and I hit that one head on. So if any of you guys have any fear about losing money or um, losing it all or working with money partners or working with other people and having some significant losses on things, pay attention to this story. This will really resonate with you. Now, one other thing I'm going to mention with you before we do dive into this episode is put yourself in the shoes. Like that's, that's the purpose of a really good story is to actually put yourself into the story. You know, then you know you've told a really good story is if you can actually, the person who's listening to it, you, the listener, if you can actually put yourself into it, and here's the question that you would ask, I, I would ask of you to ask of yourself, is what would you do? Like truly, what would you do in the situation if, if you were in there? And here's the beautiful part about listening to this on podcast and listening to this wonderful conversation is you get to ask this question of yourself of what you would do and you get to potentially put yourself into solution mode in a safe environment. And that's one of the things that I want to do within my podcast is to provide a really safe environment for people to learn, a really safe environment for you to put yourself into the stories a uh, really safe environment for you to come up with a solution. So really guys, challenge yourself. Put yourself in the in the in the in the shoes of of where we walk and where we go down. And I you know what I could go on and on in just this intro alone, but this one is going to be one that you may come back to many times. You may come back to it many times from a standpoint of a couple things. Is what would you do? Um, more importantly, this one will make you feel fired up. This one will give you goosebumps. It, it did for me and it did for also for Jules at the same time. So I, I could, like I said, I could go on and on, but I'm not going to give any more away. Um, just be prepared 
have a bucket of popcorn and really lean into this conversation because we cover some pretty heavy topics. And um, this one you will thoroughly enjoy. Okay, guys, with all that being said, make sure you subscribe. Uh, make sure you leave a comment. Make sure you share it. You know, the, you know that's the only price I pay. This is 100% a free value that we're offering to you in this podcast and this whole series of podcast episodes. I think this is episode number 31. Um, I don't have ads. I don't run any of that kind of stuff. And what we just do is it's just pure from, from the heart and sharing and giving and providing value to a community of real estate investors that has provided so much for myself. So make sure you share this. If you could just really just do me a huge solid and do me a favor is share this episode with anybody that needs to hear the message on, on um, real estate investing and what it takes to succeed long-term, the good, the bad, and the ugly. All right. And with all that being said, please help welcome back to the second part, Mr. Jules McKenzie. All right, guys. Well, welcome back. Part two. We had so much fun in our last conversation with Jules and I. Uh, we had to cut it off. We hadn't even got to the juicy real estate stuff yet. And there's there's some there's some interesting stories that we're about to share here in the real estate side. It's just Jules that you're just such a fascinating guy. You have such a deep deep story that you're, you're never just one part. There's, there's so many layers deep to Jules McKenzie. So guys, welcome back again. Jules McKenzie, how are you doing today, my brother? Doing fantastic. Thanks for asking and thanks for uh, inviting me back for more. Well, Jules, I know after we finished the last one, um, you said something to me that you had a feeling after our last conversation that you had, that you said you had some chills on uh, going there. <laughs> did. So did you have any, any further revelations from our first conversation we've had so far? No, it just felt good to, to get it, uh, get the word out. And, um, you know, hopefully, um, some of that stuff or a lot of that stuff, uh, helps other investors who might be in similar circumstances. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things that I, I, one of the intentions I have of doing this series and interviewing giants and Jules is literally a giant (laughs) (laughs) is, is to, is to create an experience for the people I interview. Like what's one of my intention is to give chills and inspire the people listening. But I also want Jules, I want the people that I'm interviewing and myself, I want to feel inspired um, because literally after our last conversation, Jules, for a couple of days, I was literally walking around like I was seven feet tall. So just, Oh, nice. So thank That's you. Terrific. Thank you. Uh, okay. So we are going to transition the conversation here today into a little bit more of a real estate conversation. So if you guys had not seen the first one, we set up the backstory. Jules talked a lot about his upbringing and it was not a traditional upbringing by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> a lot of the obstacles, a lot of the, you know, bigotry and hatred. And, you know, one of the things I wrote down from the last one that really struck home was um, how powerful language is and our words are with things like you shared that, you know, you were called savages where, where you grew up. And now how you're using that exact same word as your, how you describe sometimes how when you work out and you have, I had a savage workout, right? Yeah. So it, it all depends on the intention and the context you use words, right? Exactly. Words are very powerful and you, you particularly got to be careful with the words that you're sharing with yourself up here yeah. because, uh, you know, that, that, that uh, cassette tape is running constantly and you want to make sure that uh, you're providing the best uh, information and the most uh, inspirational uh, messaging yep. that you can to yourself. Now, now for for those of you younger folks and millennials, and we talk about terms like cassette tapes, that's um, just think MP, MP3 players or, or <laughs> iPhones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, I, mean, I was around when cassette tapes were a thing. Oh, were you you were around back in the, when A-Track was a thing? A track was a thing too. Yes. Did you did you have an A track player in the old Pontiac Trans Am? Uh, no, I'm okay. afraid that I didn't. It was all cassette. Okay, good. It was an Alpine cassette uh, deck. Whoa, high with end. With the removable deck thingy. The removable faceplate. Yes. Oh man, you're, because you're... in Ontario, I don't know why, but uh, we went through a period where everybody had to uh, break into each other's cars and steal their stereo equipment. Yes. <laughs> Oh man, we're, we're, we're going to go down some rabbit holes again here today. So, <laughs> but I we're going to feel like we are. Yeah, but we're definitely going to get into real estate. So, um, 
So the best thing I want to say, first of all, guys, is make sure you listen to that first one. You don't need to listen to the first one to get a lot out of this one, but the first episode will give a lot of context to a lot of the stories we're about to share. So Jules, why don't you dive into your first um, foray, which you would consider your first real estate transaction, what you did and how you got started. And then we'll just continue the conversation from the first one. And then we'll lead up to right where you are today. So my first uh, acquisition was in uh, the town of Angus, which is uh, about uh, a 15, 20 minute drive outside of Barrie on uh, Kenner Road 90. And um, I was literally just jumped on the old MLS on the internet and uh, found um, a small multifamily property. Um, I analyzed the cash flow after I got the financial information from the realtor and uh, fired off an offer uh, conditional on uh, my initial inspection, uh, approving that and uh, subsequent conditions by home inspector and financing. And I went down there and uh, we bought that place up. Uh, We bought an an additional property at the same time in uh, Aurelia. And uh, we did those two transactions, believing that the cash flow was going to more than support our lifestyle and change the world and part the clouds and make the sun come shining down. Yeah. Eddie Van Halen would be playing, you know, on the guitar. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, just everything would come out. Yeah. All smelling like yeah. roses. And, um, but before, uh, so what year was that, Jules? I was 2001. So I'd uh, attended uh, a couple of uh, courses put on in Mississauga, Ontario by a U.S. based uh, trainer. And, um, you know, a lot of those techniques weren't very applicable to uh, the Canadian market. Yeah. What, what led you to, what led you to that event? Was it something that maybe you read or a book or what was the light bulb moment that decided that real estate was what you wanted to jump into? So um, there was a time and I I might've mentioned this in our previous uh, broadcast that uh, we were part of the uh, Amway quick start uh, type uh, network marketing business. And um, we got involved with that in, I'm going to say 1999 after uh, my wife was prospected and uh, there was some well-dressed people in suits in my living room when I got home from work one evening, drawing circles on a whiteboard <laughs> and talking about how much money we're going to make if we sell their stuff. And uh, the difference between me and a lot of those uh, guys is I actually read the books. I listened to the cassette tapes. Yes, I said cassette tapes again. Yep. And I uh, went to the seminars and I actually uh, absorbed a lot of the materials and uh, I learned how to cold contact people, strike up conversations with uh, people I have no uh, affiliation with, no association with. And uh, we carried on that for a couple of years. I was out cold contacting all over uh, the GTA, downtown Toronto, like, it, like everywhere. And my wife uh, called me in tears saying, that's enough, enough's enough. Like it's, it's just, this is just not working for us. And I remember driving home and uh Angie and I having a conversation and I told her, I said, okay, all these books and tapes you've subjected me to has caused my brain to go like this. And what you're asking me to do is take all that information and just crush it back down to this. And my brain doesn't work that way. Like I need, I'm going to need something to uh, further my personal growth and development. And lo and behold, there was uh, the TV infomercial for the real estate investing course put on by an American company. And I pointed at the TV and I said, I could do that. That's something that I could do. And uh, I called the number registered for the free uh, course, uh, an evening course. And then when I went to the evening course, I signed up for the all weekend and the rest is history, I guess, uh, for lack of a better term. Wow. I got that, the materials. I studied them. Was that a, Ru- a Russ Whitney course or something? Or yeah. It was it Russ yeah, Whitney? It was, yeah, it was. Oh, my goodness, Jules. So you are a quintessential infomercial person where you started from an infomercial, which led you down this whole path. Yeah, absolutely. It did. Yeah. 
So, um, so, so, guys, any of you that uh, make fun of people that have watched infomercials and, and and stuff like that, we're looking at a success story from an infomercial. You wouldn't believe the amount of things I bought off of infomercials. I love infomercials. I I actually got introduced to Tony Robbins through yeah, all my absolutely. infomercials, all those kind of things. I got books and cassette tapes, and most of my success library came from those kind of things too. Right? Yep. And it's all the it's all the kind of stuff they didn't teach you in uh, high school or college or university. Hey, so infomercial, you went, you learned a few things, and then so, but but then you had instant success after going to those to that workshop, did you not, Jules? <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> so uh, I bought uh, the course's uh, resounding theme was to buy rundown, beat up real estate, um, and uh, just lipstick and rouge it, just a little minor fix ups. But I didn't have an eye for construction or repairs or maintenance. So we bought a couple of properties. They were run down and I didn't uh, adequately calculate what it would cost to renovate these properties. I certainly didn't set money aside to do those uh, projects. And we got into some financial trouble. And, um, you know, my one of the, the uh, segments in the uh, real estate training was to uh, call your creditors increase the limits on your lines of credit and your credit cards. And we did that. And then uh, the second segment after that segment was the part where they sell you on the courses at the back of the room and you have to spend tens of thousands of dollars uh, to do this deal. And I was, uh, I was sold hook, line and sinker and I bought uh, some expensive courses. I hit the ground running when we got back, I bought, we bought a couple of properties uh, albeit they were run down. Um, I didn't, I didn't sit on the fence for very long after I started getting educated. Yeah. So then you started buying some old crappy properties to, with the intention of, of renovations to riches, if you will. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and you were, and you were financing them on 18 and a half, 19 and a half percent interest rates. Oh, on it credit was cards. awesome. Yeah. A brilliant strategy. So, so, so we're, we're, this is the part of the podcast we're teaching what not to do, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, however, however, the good thing is, is you made a commitment, right? You made a commitment. You were about to make this work. Like let's, let's back up the story here a little bit. You had, you know, the experience with the MLM and the Amway and, and that, and, and you said something so important that guys need to have. And it reminded me of the, I think it's the Charles Swindoll quote that says that a brain stretched to a new dimension will never go back to its original form or original state. You saw what was possible. You saw something else. You got stretched to a new dimension of thinking and you just could not go back. Right. It just wasn't, that wasn't the right vehicle for you of the MLM. Right. That's correct. Which then led you into real estate. It did. Nice. Nice. Okay. So those first few places uh, you bought them, did you buy them with your own resources or did you start raising capital or your mortgage process? Walk me through a few of those first early properties. So the first early properties were uh, down payments uh, financed off the of lines of credit and uh, credit cards. Um, and of course, I didn't adequately account for carrying the debt load that would be acquired. You know, uh, we started out with 80000 I think we went up to almost 140000 in credit card line of credit uh, debt. Um, you know, I did the best that I could, but... Uh, when you make a, a big splash like that uh, and it's you're not making the right assumptions going in, uh, that's when you get into trouble. And part of my personality is to was, and sometimes still is, I have to be aware of it, but I force outcomes. So if something's not working right, then I force it and I make it work. And you can end up paying for those kind of mistakes uh, uh, harshly and uh, they can cause a, a deep amount of pain and embarrassment. And, uh, I was certainly no exception. So your intention was to buy, renovate and sell, I would imagine, or were you going to rent them out? Was it kind of a flipping strategy or what was it? Uh, it was just a, a strategy to or buy no, real estate. No strategy. <laughs> yep. There was the, the no strategy strategy. It was just like, uh, do this and this is what you're going to get. And yeah. I always, I still had, uh, the stars in front of my eyes from, uh, 
attending those uh, glitzy and glamorous uh, seminars put on by the Amway people. Yeah. And I thought that uh, the real estate, uh, buying a few real estate properties was going to get me there. But, you know, it's a little more sophisticated than that, as uh, I quickly learned. So would you say your early properties that you transacted was um, a little bit more ego-driven? That it was driven from a standpoint that you had to prove you could do it and it was more look at me, look at me, as opposed to buying real estate intentionally on purpose. That's right. Yeah, it, it uh, totally was. And uh, like I said, like I, I ended up forcing uh, those outcomes and it cost me a lot. Yeah. So those first few places, did you make any money off those first few places? Did Were you able to sell them or did you just kind of go a little deeper in the hole? What was the... So- um, I'll tell you a little bit further on in that story. After we did those uh, acquisitions and uh, kind of parted ways from that American-based uh, uh, company, I started getting mentorship from uh, a guy named Darren Weeks, and uh, he's better known as uh, one of uh, Rich Dad's advisors. Yep. Canada's and Rich Darren- Dad is what he originally was known way back in the day. Which yeah, I don't think so- he was. I don't think it was. He was. He had the right to use that term, but anyways. Anyhow, he's still, uh, I think he's still kicking around. He's probably down in South America, putting on seminars and, uh, you know, helping people to, uh, you know, learn about uh, investing in personal finance, which is what he did for me. And uh, we played the cash flow board game in uh, Toronto. There was probably 18, you know, to 25 people getting together. And, um, I was in some financial trouble and my wife was uh, pretty disheartened and discouraged by this time. And I told Darren, I said, like, um, you know, he was inviting me to this seminar, this weekend seminar, uh, because a a Canadian guy was going to be opening up up a rain chapter in Toronto. And I said, well, you know, like I'm, I'm basically told him I was underwater financially. I didn't foresee any way to get out of it other than to sell at a loss and, you know, take a hit on my credit. And he said, well, you just got to come and check out this Don Campbell guy just one more time. And uh, I remember that uh, weekend coming around and and Angie says, uh, so you're going to leave the credit cards at home. You're not going to join anything. You're not going to sign anything. You're not going to buy anything. You're not going to do anything unless you check with me first. And I said, oh, yeah, absolutely. Of course. So I drove down to the seminar. It was a a Raymond Aaron seminar, uh, who's a big personal growth and development guy. And Don started his talk. Like I actually was at the back of the room and uh, I didn't know Don from a hole in the ground. And I introduced myself. I gave him my business card and, you know, introduced myself to Don. Didn't not even realize I knew he was. And um, he got up and started talking about Canadian uh, real estate investing. And he talked about this thing called the top 10 towns. So I was, I was listening. I, I sat down at a table in the back and uh, he proceeded to talk about areas of the junction in Toronto. We all kind of went aghast on that one. He talked about Hamilton and he talked about uh, the Durham region, Whitby, Oshawa and Pickering. And then he talked about Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge. And I thought to myself, well, self, at least you know where you should have been investing. As he climbed up the uh, top 10 towns, he got up to around number one. And he says that if you want the best area uh, regionally with the best economic fundamentals, you need to invest in the Barry Simcoe Shores, Aurelian Barry. And I just like, oh my God, really? And uh, I turned to the people, did he say Barry and Aurelian is the number one place to invest? And the guy's like, yeah, dude, that's what exactly what he said. And I just got up and I cheered and I was uh, so excited. And I remember uh, jumping around in the back and Don looking, kind of squinting, looking at me, jumping around in the back. He said, and I'm suspecting that if you want to learn anything about those areas, you would talk to that maniac in the back of the room. Do you remember what year that was? Was that like 2002, 2003? That was August 2003 when I met Don and joined Rain. Yep. So so um, your wife told you not to sign anything and join anything, but you did anyways? I did anyways. Okay, good. Did you talk it to her? It was uh, did, pretty quiet around the house for about a week after that. Did you talk to her first or did you just do it? I just did it. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, it was pretty quiet around the house after that. Uh, I was in a little bit of trouble. Yeah, but let, let's, 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 I'm going to share something here for So 2003 and you, you 
mentioned some things of some research in that that Don had done, and that was Dr. Barry Friesen at the time. Did you remember Barry? Yes, he, I do. He would have done a lot of that research. So let's talk about some of those areas. The Junction area of Toronto, um, the, the Tri-Cities of Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge, uh, Oshawa, uh, Whitby, Pickering area, uh, Simcoe Shores, Hamilton. Guys, since 2003, have those areas seen a little bit of growth since that time? <laughs> Like seriously, people that would have like bought a tremendous property. growth, yeah, unbelievable growth. So you know, give Don credit for, and he he called some markets. He was one of the first ones to call Hamilton as an opportunity, and people laughed at him. People right now are going, "Oh, Hamilton, man, so great! It's it's, it's Hamilton's in vogue now." But I digress. So yes, so that's two thousand and three. You became a Ray member. And, uh, what, what, what happened? So instantly everything got solved from there. All your money woes being oh, underwater, yeah. everything oh. just instantly magic, magic wand. Everything got solved from there. How did you, how, no, did, you, no. how did you dig out of it, Jules? So, uh, we still had to endure some financial pain and hardship. And I did that, you know, I made a settlement with my creditors and, uh, we sold those properties, uh, seemingly, you know, I said at a loss, but I think we basically kind of broke even. Um, maybe uh, the fourplex in Angus, we did take a bit of a loss on it. The only good thing that uh, really came out of that was I was the vendor in vendor financing for about 24 months when we sold the fourplex. So um, I charged an interest rate of, uh, I think I charged uh, an interest rate of 8%. So we were getting checks in the mailbox for 24 months, which I thought was a bit of a win. Um, and I just, I just recall that now. So that's when I joined rain, that's when we started learning the system and uh, learning about economic fundamentals, you know, truly what they are and, uh, how to apply them to neighborhoods in your local market and realizing that I was in the best area, you know, it just took some time in the market for me to, to get out and get reestablished. Um, one of the rain materials was a recording by Tim Johnson talking about, uh, you know, the classic joint venture. And that was the first time I heard that because I was figuring, you know, I don't have any more credit. I don't have any more money. How am I going to do this? And he talked about this, uh, idea where, you know, a classic joint venture, you find the property and then you find an investor you put up the deal, uh, the managing of the deal, collecting the rents, uh, dealing with the maintenance, and your investor puts up the money for down payment and closing costs. You sign a joint venture agreement and carry on for five to seven years. And then when you sell, you return your investors all his initial capital, and then you split the difference 50-50. And that just resonated with me so much. And I started researching and finding um, properties that were you know, in great shape and great neighborhoods, mostly in Aurelia. There was a few in Barrie. And from 2004, I would say to uh, probably right up to 2008, uh, we did the, the majority of our acquisitions to the point where we were all, all I think we we're above 50, 55 plus properties in our portfolio. I had a property manager then. I had, I've had a few property managers over the years. And, um, that's basically how I did it. I never considered buying condominiums or condominium townhouses. And I bought a combination of both. And, uh, yeah, so it took a few years. So I, I finished my settlement in 2004 or five. And I think it was around 2009, shortly after the, uh, so-called great recession of 2008 hit, that uh, interest rates on mortgages that I was qualifying were starting to come down as my credit began to improve. So I was able to uh, refinance properties, qualify much better financing. In some cases, my interest rate went from 12 to 4%. At one point, uh, we were qualifying mortgages at 2.99%. I'm sure you can remember that back in 06, 07, 08. And, uh, you know, my cash flow more or less doubled. And that's, that's really when we started to, uh, hit, hit it out of the park. Wow. Um, 
So <laughs> there's a lot to unpack there. Do you mind if I? Okay. You, you mind if we take a, a quick time out in the? We'll, we'll keep moving the story forward, but I think there's so many lessons that you just shared within the guys. Rewind that last seven minutes, and I'm going to unpack a few things there. Um, so number one, um, a lot of people fear this whole thing of of you know losing money, and people fear you know, creditors and, you know, having to go back and have to put your tail between your legs and just say that didn't work out. I need to start over and stuff like that. What did you, did you go through a, a consumer proposal or what was the, the thing that you did when you talked about a settlement with your creditors? What, talk yeah, to me about, I, I, a bit about that. That's the legal term, uh, yeah. consumer proposal. Now, how, how did that make you feel? Like, did it make you feel, was there any shame? Was there, you know, did you, how do you, how does somebody go through that? Like somebody might be truly watching or listening to this that might be contemplating that. And one of the reasons they might be doing it might be just going, man, I, I, I'll be out of the game. I'm be locked out. I won't be able to qualify anymore. I'm shut out. I'd be the shame of me telling people. Like, what did you go through during that process? Oh, I went through terrible, uh, terrible guilt and uh, embarrassment and uh, humiliation, you know, having to go to the offices to, you know, make my minimum payment to my creditors while I was uh, in in the proposal. Because you make a settlement, it doesn't mean that you get away without paying anything. I paid back a certain portion that was agreed to by my creditors. Uh, which was significantly less than what I initially borrowed uh, at. And there was, it was 24 months, maybe three years of uh, making, coming good on my agreed settlement to that. Yeah. So, you know, it was, it was embarrassing. It was painful. In um, in spite of that though, I was able to uh, acquire real estate yeah you were still able to move forward while going through I was still that. able to move forward. And it was largely because of strategies and techniques I learned at the real estate investment network. In a lot of cases uh, during that period, my investors were not only putting up down payment and closing costs, but they were qualifying mortgages and going on title. Yeah. Were you, did you, did your confidence take a little bit of a hit during that time? And did you, and I'm not putting, trying to put words in your mouth. I'm really trying to get, what you were feeling because some people might be going through that right now. Like, did you feel inauthentic when you were talking to other people about your transactions or were you hundred percent transparent about everything you were going through? Like how does somebody move forward while going through something like that? So it, it was a combination of like a teeter totter. So I was having good days and I was having bad days on the bad days. I felt uh, guilt and remorse and shame for, uh, you know, the financial mess I caused for my family. And then on good days, I realized that uh, I'm still in the number one area to invest in uh, residential real estate. And I know these neighborhoods like uh, better than anybody in the rain room, because a lot of my investors initially came from the real estate investment network. So I, I knew that I still had something valuable to provide. And I attribute my ability to overcome that to my early training in uh, network marketing with the books, tapes, and seminars that uh, helped me to, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, suck it up and, and get get this job done yeah. of acquiring real estate to uh, make a, a financial uh, positive difference in our lives. Yeah, and and to 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 take a story from the first segment that we shot about with your alcoholism and your AA program and your sobriety of one day at a time a lot of those things really served you of helping you get through this. Absolutely. Yes. Right. So, so huh, interesting how things that happen, happen to us, happen for us and are a blessing to help us deal with things as we go forward. Are they not? Absolutely. They are. Wow. So, so, um, okay. Well then here's, here's a line of question I'd ask you is, um, you, you shared with, did you share with the investors that were investing with you what you were going through? Did you share the yes. story? Okay. And, and some people are, will go there and they still believed in you and still trusted in you and still wanted to invest with you. Did they not? When the, the biggest deal that I ever did uh, and still is, uh, was a 38 townhouse purchase in Aurelia. And that was in 2005 and I was right in the middle of my uh, settlement so I couldn't qualify mortgages. I had no credit available. I had no cash available. 
yet I, I, as a result of my training and uh, as a result of my affiliation with the Real Estate Investment Network, I was able to raise the million and a half with six key investors and purchase 38, 38 townhouses in uh, one transaction. Holy moly. So, so guys, uh, seriously, like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make, I'm going to, I'm going to protect my words here a bit, but if you're having trouble moving forward and you got everything going for you, look at this. Jules just shared a story. He was going through a consumer proposal. You didn't have any credit available. You had no money available. However, you had you available. You had an opportunity. You had a deal and you shared authentically everything you're going through and people still invested with you. Yes, absolutely. Right? So guys, what excuse, like, sorry for this is harsh, but what excuse do you have? Like if you have just one thing better than what Jules just described to do 38 units, you were in a better position than Jules was when you were doing that transaction. I didn't know that. Jules. I honestly, I honestly did not know that, that part of what you were going through. I knew you were doing these deals and I saw that and you were doing infomercials and you were sharing all the wonderful things, but I did not know you were going through that in behind the scenes in the background and good for you for sharing that with the people that you're working with you, because I have a feeling those people trusted you more if you could share that with them. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, some of those, uh, just a couple of those investors are still our investors today. Um, one uh, one individual, I met him when he was at uh, he was attending uh, UFT, and he was over here from his home country in Singapore, and he became one of my investors in uh, 2006 and 2007 and 2008, and uh, you know he he qualified the mortgages better than I could, and I and he wasn't even a permanent resident at the time. <laughs> You know, uh, that's, that's just the reality of it. And, um, that guy, we still have one property with him. And when we started selling a a big sell off and this is years later in 2015 and 16, 17, we started selling off some of our investor owned uh, properties to pay out subsequent debt and pay out subsequent investors. He flew with his, his family, his young family over here to visit us, to make sure that we weren't going to sell his property. And, uh, you know, that, that sure was commitment. And I was very touched by that because, uh, you know, he believed in me back then. He knew I was, I was, uh, feeling rather beat up and he still believes in me now. And, uh, he still wants to carry on this uh, business relationship that we have. Wow. What a, what a, what a story that just says it's about the relationship more than anything. Yeah, yeah and, absolutely. Uh, and if it was, um, if it was built on the finances and the numbers and that only, it probably wouldn't work. I don't think so. No, no, I don't think so. There, there's uh, something that uh, people want to bond with. And uh, as you can recall in those early days, I was excited. I was enthusiastic. I was jumping and hollering in, in the, the seats uh, to the speakers on the stage and uh, that energy that I put out, that's, that gave something for people to bond with. And, uh, you know, um, that's, that's an attitude that I tr- still try to carry on yeah. uh, today. Well, and, and don't take this the wrong way of this comment I'm about to make next. Was, but at that time, that's really what the only thing you had going, really. <laughs> Uh, and I, I'm trying not to make it sound mean or cruel or anything, but but you you used what you had, and it was that energy, and it was that enthusiasm, and that excitement, and that ability to enroll people into a vision, and people to believe in you, even though your story in the background was not a pretty story. Like it was, right. it was not pretty behind the curtain, if you will. Yeah, that's right. And I was I was willing to do it because I knew. Um, I honestly believe that uh, this was my one chance to uh, redeem myself and uh, get back on the investment train. And I know that there was other investors in that room in Toronto that were hesitant and shy. And, uh, you know, not that they lacked the confidence because these were people that certainly were more qualified and educated and uh, more financially stable than I was. But I knew that uh, if I was going to, to do this, I had to do it in a, in a loud and uh, in your face, not in your face in a, in a negative way, but I had to get my message out there that I was the guy. I was your guy. 
if you wanted to invest in a stable uh, real estate investment yeah. in Aurelia. Wow. Holy moly, there's there's an awful lot just we can just dive into deal after deal after deal. But but why don't we start moving forward? So you, you acquired properties. Oh, oh, so Jules, while I still have to remember, did you bring the photo album book? You got the album book? Okay, we're going to... So Russell, gonna... this, this is my very sophisticated uh, pre- presentation material. Yes. So, so guys, uh, uh, I'm just going to preface this and I'm going to put some context. If you're listening to this on audio, there is a video that I'm also recording as well. Jules <laughs> is going to walk us through his high quality, uh, joint venture presentation package. Okay. And uh, he's going to do some visuals. He's going to share it with you. Like it is impressive to, to say the yeah. least. So Jules, and take each, it away. Time, each time I present this, it is live and unrehearsed yes. and you don't need an internet plugin. Yes. Let's see it, Jules. So there it is. This is a, uh, this is a four by six, uh, photo album. Yeah. I'm trying to get the reflection off. Yeah. That's a fourplex in Angus. I was talking about earlier. Yeah. And, uh, that's the before. Yeah. And this is what it looks like after my kids were that small at some point. I can't believe it. Yeah. Um, there's some more before and after. So we're working away at the, at the properties. That's when I still did the physical, yeah. the physical work of, uh, you know, replacing doors and windows. Uh, so just to prove it, there it is. That's me about, Almost twenty years ago. Holy <laughs> moly, Jules! There's more more hair follicles, less gray hairs. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, nice, nice. But uh, when I presented to investors, other than financial information on the deal I was presenting and a yeah. couple of pictures, this was the closer. This is what people uh, bonded with because I had put my heart and soul in these two properties, and uh, I still collected before and after pictures, even though we went through some rough times with those properties. And I knew that I was out of credit. I was out of money. What else can I bring to the marketplace? Well, I can bring my personal experience and my personality. Well, let's put it this way. You could bring the best asset you had. And that was you. Yes. You brought you, right? Yeah. And you showed up powerfully. You showed up authentically. You showed up with enthusiasm. You showed up with passion and you showed up with a willingness to help and serve other people. That's correct. Right? Yes. So, yeah. if, man, I, I hope I recorded that. We'll put that in. If we could just bun, if we could put that in a little bottle and we could name it Jules or something, right? And that could be like a little yeah. energy drink we, we drink or something oh, like yeah. that. <laughs> so, the pop will just, the t- it'll just get you going. <laughs> yeah. So, so guys, um, I hope you're, I hope you're getting this, you know, for, if you're not watching this, you know, maybe find the YouTube channel and pick up it on, on there and take a look at it. But we're talking you don't need a fancy three camera video shoot and you don't need virtual tours. You don't need a lot of those things you did with what you had and what you started with was just bringing authentic you to the table and things have changed a little bit over time, but you still bring you to the transaction when you're working with people. Right. Yeah. Right. Wow. Absolutely. So, and I, 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 again, Russell, I just want to emphasize that, uh, uh, as a, I was a police officer, um, I think about 11, 10, 11 years of, uh, service time. And apart from work, I was a natural introvert. I didn't naturally open up and speak to people. However, after my experience with the Amway business, the books, tapes, and seminars, I learned how to open up and I learned how to communicate and, uh, just, uh, Tommy Hopkins type sales books, um, there's uh, how to win friends and influence people. Like those were books that really changed um, me. Yeah. And uh, I'm glad that they did because uh, I, I really think that uh, reading those books and uh, I didn't read very many books after high school. Um, it really changed my life and improved it and enhanced it for the better. Yeah. So really um, it, it wasn't just the, the reading of the books, the reading of the books I would call got the inspiration and got the juices going but then you implemented with velocity really was, oh, yes. was, was the, the, the key component of it. You need the inspiration to get started, but you need the implementation to keep going. Right. Yes. Um, okay. So let's, you know, in the sake of time, um, we could go through many, many layers and many details of things, but what does your p- portfolio kind of look like now? 
And what are you investing in now? Like, uh, I know we shared a little bit before, but what does your portfolio look like now? And is it a different financial picture now than when you first got started? Well, uh, yes, of course. The financial picture is much, much better. Those townhouses I purchased on the big 38 townhouse deal were 107,000 back in 2005. I sold, uh, I'm, I'm selling the remaining uh, homes that I have in that complex and the average price is around 265 to 280. And uh, we're doing pretty good. Um, in 2005, there was 22 of those homes left in the portfolio. And I'm only speaking about the townhouses uh, in Aurelia. So I went and sought financing because some of my investors were approaching their retirement age and saying, okay, man, we had this run. It was good, but I want to retire and get out. So I went out and uh, qualify, tried qualifying multiple mortgages just at the same time when OSFI decided that Canadians, particularly experienced landlord Canadians, should only have five non-owner occupied mortgages. So I had to go and get uh, financing from uh, a few B lenders. There was an A lender in there, in the mix, and I'm grateful that they stepped up to the plate. But there was a couple of B lenders. Uh, One was a local credit union, and another one was uh, a company called uh, Equitable Bank, um, who loaned loaned me money. I split the 22 with another uh, one of my subsequent investors, And he paid me out on his 11. I paid him out on my 11. It was a bit of a wash. But we paid out subsequent investors and just hung on to those. So we've been selling those off. I've helped my son and his girlfriend purchase their duplex that they're living in uh, last year with uh, sales proceeds and reinvested uh, into his home. And I helped him qualify a mortgage you know, unfortunately uh, for him and his girlfriend, having uh, no credit can be worse than having bad credit. So the best we could do was qualify a mortgage from Home Trust at six and three quarters. So we had to bear some pain to the tune of uh, several hundred dollars extra a month in living costs. And then uh, just before the pandemic hit at near the end of February, I helped him refinance that mortgage with uh, the same local uh, Meridian Credit Union up here in Aurelia. His interest rate went from three point uh, or went from six point uh, six and three quarters to three point one four. So essentially, his living costs were cut in half, and his uh, rent from his uh, apartment and his uh, roommate's uh, rent more than cover their mortgage payment, property taxes, and insurance on a monthly basis. So wow, <laughs> yeah, they've so, been uh, skateboarding and doing artistry and yeah. he plays in a band and yeah, he's having a good life. Nice. Um, nice. Congratulations. And, I and, and I know as parents, we shouldn't take credit, but you know, at the end of the day, what the heck? We're, we, we, the heck, we, have, we have a hand in our kids' upbringing, right? So. <laughs> yeah, I do. And I yeah. want to be the best uh, influence for, for him and all my kids yeah. uh, that I can be. Well, and, uh, let's look at this. In one generation um, where you were brought up, no running water, you know, having to go outside to the bathroom, to now where your kids are now homeowners on their own. Right. And it's a completely different on, on one hand, I'm, I'm torn that sometimes you don't want to make it too easy on the kids that they don't get because part of your makeup and your fortitude and your grit came from the struggle. Right. Yes. And sometimes if we make it too easy on the kids, they, you almost rob them of the fortitude and the grit skills and the coping skills that they need in order to become successful. Right. And it, it's, it's a fine line. I don't have the answer here at all, but like, where do you let the kids struggle versus how do you, when do you help them? It's one of those ones. It'll be an age old debate. Right. Yeah, it will. And, uh, I still have agreements in place with, uh, with both my kids. Um, and I just thought that it was the responsible, prudent thing for a parent to do yep. to let them know where they stand. So and, you're, you're, uh, an, they're a part, you're a partner. You didn't just, it wasn't a gift, was it? Or was, it wasn't or, a, it's not a gift. Okay. Dad's, gift. dad's no. making some money on this one, right? <laughs> I remember, uh, I remember 2010, 2012, my son saying, wow, we're rich. <laughs> and I reminded him, I said, no, no, just hold on a second. <laughs> 
Mom and dad are rich. Yeah, mom and dad work there. They're still broke. Yeah, mom and dad so, worked our tushes off here, right? <laughs> you're going to have to get out and hustle if yeah. you want to, what I have. Yeah. So what do you so, own, uh, what are you sitting on right now as a portfolio there, Jillson? And I know it's it's uh, a forever probably, evolving, uh, right? Just looking at my notes here. So I'd say 14, uh, 14 properties. Yep. So out of those two, uh, two are my kids. Um, and then we just moved to a new personal residence. We're living in a, in a property that's a beautiful Victorian home in a really, and you got to see this thing next time you yeah, travel I'm, Ontario. I'm, I'm, uh, don't worry. I'm inviting myself already. So excellent. <laughs> I look forward to seeing you over here. Yeah. Um, it's a property that was formerly the Kavanaugh spa and we're converting it back to its former glory as a beautiful bed and breakfast property. And this for Ange and I will be the ultimate house hack. So we, we're going to have our living quarters in the bed and breakfast and we're going to rent out uh, four of the rooms on a short-term rental basis. Yeah. And uh, it's going to be, it's going to be epic. Yeah. Next door to this property that we're in is a duplex that the uh, previous owners owned as well. So I negotiated a deal with them and uh, helped my youngest daughter to purchase that one. Our youngest daughter moved out earlier this year and, uh, you know, she's 20 years old. I mean, yep. it was expected. Yep. At least I did. Anyways, Angie was devastated by it. But when I pitched the idea to Nicole of purchasing the property uh, with me, and then she would have her start into real estate investing, she jumped on board and Angie was so happy because, you know, she was going to have her baby back close to our home. Yeah. Yeah. So are you yeah. in a place now where in your portfolio, you're starting to, you know, uh, pay off mortgages and maximize cash flow or are are you able to live off of the cash flow from the properties still working with what's 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 going on right now so i've got a custom to like a double income so uh for example off the portfolio it's about six thousand a month uh positive cash flow yeah but off of my job i make about uh geez i make uh, a comparable amount of about six, $7,000 a month. Yep. So I'm, I'm used, I'm accustomed to having almost like a double income, uh, with one, um, one person of the couple working. Yep. So, you know, I have to reposition things. Like I said, uh, I have been paying off debt and, uh, getting ready for the inevitable, um, retirement from policing. Cause, yep. As I'm finding out from last night, policing is very much a young man's job. <laughs> do you still enjoy it? Do you still enjoy it? Oh, I do. Actually, actually, I do. We did a warrant last night and I just was charged. I got home uh, um, I got home a little after seven and I was still excited and charged up till about nine. So I, I, I'm operating on a few hours sleep. Yeah. So, so, but you have a little bit of an adrenaline junkie in you, a little bit. I am. Yeah. Oh, man. So you, you, you'll be the guy and you'll be the guy in the old folks home that you will own free and clear, by the way. And you'll be the guy leading the much. charge on, on the pickleball thing in the tournament. And you'll be getting everybody to do the calisthenics and warm up. And there'll be jewels, you know, like a drill sergeant out there. And, and he'll have, he'll have leagues and bedding, you know, and, and all that stuff all lined Absolutely. up. Absolutely. Yeah. And did you, you, you did catch that. I said you owned the, the, the nursing home free and clear, right? Right. I did. Yes, I yes. did not miss that yeah. by, by any means. Yeah. Um, no, I'm very grateful. Uh, yeah. lifestyle, um, that we have now is, uh, definitely afforded by the additional, um, effort and striving that we put into, uh, investing in our spare time and not just, uh, the job income. Yeah. Now, I, I know we could do another part of this, but I do want to be completely respectful of your time here. And, and I do understand you're going on a few hours sleep after. You did share a little bit about everything on that warrant you had to, <laughs> to do last night. And and the guys, uh, that could be another another segment of just uh, some of the police trials and things that you, you've gone through. Oh, it's just the four major food groups, you know, yeah. guns, drugs, money, and prostitution. Yeah, <laughs> just you, you touched it's it all, right? Yeah, it's not it's, any different than anywhere else in would, uh, in this country. <laughs> would that be like a, a grand slam out of the park? Home Last run? night was yeah. out of the park. Okay, it good. was awesome. <laughs> it was totally awesome. <laughs> so, so a couple things before I, I have two two questions. I do want to one I've, that I wanted to follow up from last uh, our first segment. One that I want to talk about what's next for you. And uh, before we get to those two things. Um, before I forget, where can somebody reach out to you, Jules? If somebody wants to reach out, maybe something touched you of the story, or maybe somebody's going through something, 
similar to what you shared and maybe they want a little more insight, I imagine you're more than happy to help people on their journeys. Where would somebody be able to get a hold of you? So just uh, before I get into that, I just top up that uh, my uh, my sponsor and I are doing another step study with uh, some interesting individuals. Um, ironically, they're uh, they're all entrepreneurial type people. So um, we're we're approaching this uh, round of step study uh, material from a goal setting and uh, personal growth and development uh, visionary type of uh, attitude and. Uh, because the pandemic is still on, we're doing our, our step study over uh, Zoom meetings. Yep. So there's material we write and we have to answer questions. We have to read the big book and do all those kind of things and share. Um, if you want to reach me on uh, on that uh, basis or even just real general real estate stuff in the really area, um, you can reach me um, either through my Instagram which is very simply McKenzie.Jules uh, on Instagram. On Twitter, which is my favorite platform, it's not so hot with the millennials or the Gen Zs, but uh, I, I still like it, so I still use it. Um, my Twitter handle is at Mr. Jules McKenzie, spelled M-R-J-U-L-E-S-M-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E. And then on Facebook and LinkedIn, it's just my first and last name, Jules, J-U-L-E-S, McKenzie, M-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E. And uh, I, I've been on a few podcasts, uh, Russell. I'm just not willing to give out my email address over <laughs> over the medium. Understood. And, uh, you know, if, if, you, if somebody reaches out to me in direct message, either in LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, or uh, the other two platforms, Instagram or uh, Twitter, I'm happy to get back to them. And if uh, I feel that uh, it's warranted, then uh, I'll share that uh, yep. additional information to. Well, you're to still, you're still partially in the witness relocation program, right? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, awesome. So, so Jules, you know, you, you've been there, you've done that, you've conquered some amazing mountains. Like you truly have. You've, you're now giving back and helping younger people uh, at the same time. You're, you're, you know, I think you do big brothers, you've helped different things like that. Um, what's next for you? Like what, what, what is the next chapter in, in the story of you? Interesting. Um, so I got about, uh, less than three years to go with policing and policing is a noble profession a noble career. And, uh, there's a camaraderie that you wouldn't believe, uh, in, in policing. And I fully respect and, and love my brothers and sisters in policing, um, even during these turbulent times, uh, I've lost a few friends to, uh, unfortunately suicide. So I'm cognizant and aware of those things. So when I leave policing, no disrespect to the profession, but I'm done with policing. I'll be out of there. Um, I'm looking at re-educating myself. I'm reading, uh, books, more books about, uh, cash flow and, uh, real estate investing and, I've applied to do a course. I, I, I was scheduled to do a course earlier this month put on by the CCIM, which is a Certified Commercial Investment uh, Membership, which is a designation out of Chicago, Illinois. All things commercial real estate, commercial office, commercial retail, commercial multifamily, light industrial, heavy industrial, land uh, assembly, all those kind of things I want to learn about. And then when I retire from policing, I'm going to transition into a more... Uh, bigger projects, uh, but on a very calculated risk basis. And uh, I want to be that investor again, that provides great returns for, for my investors. So interesting to note you're 20 year, you're almost a 20 year veteran of this 2001, yeah. right? So guys, yeah. I hope you pick that up. Here's a 20 year veteran who is literally feeling like he's just getting started. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And yeah. everything you've been through has just led you to this point to just take things up to the next level. And I think you have some pretty big goal, big ambitious goals here too, don't you? Absolutely. I do. Yes. Right? Because you're not going to let all those life lessons go to waste and not share that. Right. Yeah, that's right. Right. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the things is one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on to the podcast and share your story is number one is I wanted to just reconnect because Every time I have a conversation with Jules, I feel like a better person. So it's, first of all, it's all about me, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
but but uh, I wanted to before I ask you a final question. We do sign off. I do want to offer you some 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 heartfelt gratitude, and and that is Jules. I've just always been touched by how how you show up, how you always have such an amazing smile on your face, how you're always willing to help, how you're always willing to come from a place of positivity, and how you. There's here's the bottom line I want to say is. There should be there if there was more Jules McKenzie's in this world, this world would have fewer fewer problems. There are, <laughs> I appreciate that. That's yeah. tremendous, Russell. Thank you very much. And 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 that's just the kind of guy that you are. So so here's the last question I want to leave you with. And it's with everything you've gone through with your backstory, starting way back in the day of in northern Quebec and no running water and the young man looking out down the road, seeing the gravel road, and then there's the pavement just on the other side, right? If somebody's listening to this or watching that and they're feeling um, challenged or they're feeling that they're a little bit behind everybody or they don't have everything going on, what advice would you give to that person to maybe feel them a little inspired, to maybe pick them up, to just keep going when things look pretty dark? Well, I'd say say a few things about that. Like you can uh, take the... uh the boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy. Um, you know, there's still some very valuable, uh, things that I learned from my, my past that, uh, I'll hang on to. And, um, don't, um, just don't second guess yourself. You're more powerful and more, um, resilient and you have more abilities than you give yourself credit for the challenges and the obstacles that you've overcome so far um, have been tremendous and people will be inspired by that. But to truly make a difference, you'll have to proceed and persevere through some more of that stuff. But when you get to the, on, on the other side of those challenges and those obstacles, uh, the reward isn't so much the money. Um, it's just the idea that you chose to become more, be more, contribute more, and it's it's paying off. You know, it's paying off with uh, providing people good housing. It's paying off with uh, people uh, feeling better after they spend some time with you. Um, you know, those those are the things that uh, at the end of the day really matter. Like uh, for for me now, uh, wealth creation isn't uh, so much about the money. It's more about uh, the legacy of uh, personal growth and development and inspiration that I want to pass on to my kids. I want to pass on to my inner circle uh, like yourself and uh, the rest of our friends in this uh, small sphere of influence we find ourselves in. And I want to leave the community just a little bit better for, for being here. And uh, hopefully that provides a, a, a truly a positive impact in uh, this great country of ours. Wow. Can't, can't say it any better. And Jules, you can mic drop, mic drop <laughs> moment. Jules Boom. has left the building. <laughs> <laughs> Jules, I, I, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to say something that probably guys don't say to enough to guys. And we should say this more often, but I truly love you. I love you as, as another brother here. And, um, yeah. And you're one of the good people. And um, the last thing I can say to just kind of end this would be just thank you. Thank you for everything you've provided and shared and everything you're about to do as well. So, Well, in return, Russell, thanks for being a yep. good bro. And yep. uh, I want to attribute a lot of my success to, uh, to your endeavors in uh, talking about investing at, uh, the, on the rain stage because uh, I really enjoyed your segments and uh, your talks. And... Um, I'm, I'm so uh, hopeful for the future because you're providing such an essential and needed service to the community. Yeah. Oh, wow. So Jules, goosebumps, <laughs> goosebumps and chills times two. So, <laughs> all right, guys. So, you know, the drill, wherever you're watching this, please, you guys got lots of value and tremendous amount of value from this. Leave a comment, leave a review, share it with others that are on their journey as well. And with that being said, Goodbye, everybody. Have yourself a wonderful day. Thanks for your time. Have a good one. Bye for now. 
All right. So what did you think, everybody? Wasn't that an incredible two-part series? As as you can tell, um, you know, both Jules and I made the comment when we were doing this towards the end that we had we had goose pimples, goosebumps, we had chills because it was just that powerful of a conversation. And I, I hope you could feel that as we were coming through that. It was just such an inspiring tale and inspiring story that if you truly are feeling that you're up against something, if you truly feel that you cannot accomplish your goals, if you truly feel that there's just an obstacle standing in your way, just come back to this episode, these two episodes, many times. Because truly, you know, if you really think about it, guys, we don't have problems. We really do. We have we have puzzles that are to be solved. We have some things that we have to overcome. Um, you know, I would hazard a guess that the majority of the people that are going to be listening to this did not have um, as many challenges as that Jules had in his upbringing. And, and you know, Jules would be the first one to admit a lot of it was self-imposed and self-inflicted and things like that. But here's the question is, is really what did he do with it? And what will you do with your obstacles that stand in your way? And uh, I know I mentioned it many times and there was a lot of awful lot of uh, a little... Uh, Best way to put it, there was a lot of bromance going on in this. And that's just because I'm a huge fan of Jules. I think he is just one of those people in on earth that if there was more Jules and Ange, Ange McKenzie's in this world, there'd be an awful lot fewer problems because he just comes from the place of the heart. You know where you stand with Jules. You know who he is. And I just truly am honored to have to to get to know him, to get to know him a little deeper. And I actually got to know Jules even deeper. I thought I knew his story quite thoroughly, but he shared some things in this that I didn't even know. And I'm just so honored. So Jules, if you are listening to this, I sure hope you are. I was honored to have that conversation. I think you are a beautiful human being and a beautiful person. And I can't wait. Honestly, I, I said this in the episode. I cannot wait to see who you become in this process because I honestly think you are just getting started. There, the upside for you on the impact and the level of people that you're going to touch in the future for making an impact in other people's lives, you are now crossing over from you know your own accomplishment into paying it forward to impact on changing other people's lives. And I'm going to be sitting back with a bucket of popcorn and I'm going to watch it because this is going to be an incredible story. So guys, make sure you follow Jules. Make sure you keep uh, following along on the episodes of what we're doing. And one more thing before you run off, and I know we'll mention it on the outro music and big voice guy and all that kind of stuff, but please share this. Um, this is a message. These messages are deep and these messages are p- what people need to understand. In order to be a complete real estate investor, you know need to know the good, the bad, and the ugly. And what do you do when something challenging comes your way? Because if you understand how you will perform when a challenging situation comes and what actions you will take when you are faced with some challenges, those will define your real estate investing more than all the wins that you have along the way. As a matter of fact, how you handle the $100, the $1,000, the $10,000 problems, even the $100,000 problems, how you handle each one of those problems will impact how you handle the million-dollar problems. And if you have aspirations of growing, if you have aspirations of scaling, if you have aspirations of impacting more people's lives, You need to do the work. You need to put in the time, the reps. You need to build up your resiliency, your grit, your fortitude muscles. And that's what we're all here for at the same time. And that's one of the things I wanted to accomplish in this episode. Okay, guys, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you share it. Make sure you leave some feedback and make sure you leave a comment. And always, always remember in every interaction you have with another person, Always leave them feeling inspired, encouraged, and always come from a place of love. Bye for now, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott Podcast. Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now.